This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. So in between the the population, you can try that again. In between the publication of the old Delta Green books and the release of the Kickstarter, there was all kinds of Delta Green materials that were uh, pushed into the Unspeakable Oath magazine, but also released on the Delta Green website. One of the items on the Delta Green website written by Adam Scott Glancy is called Alphonse's Axioms for Agents. This is a book of tips for how to conduct successful tradecraft as a Delta Green agent. I think that this is an interesting artifact for a number of reasons. One, because it contains advice for players, which is something that we've been trying to do more of on our show. One, because it contains information for the handler in terms of this is the kind of game that you sh- that you can be running. It is a confirmation of some stuff that we've talked to Glancy about, about how he runs his games. But... Uh, it is a snapshot of a moment in time. There are elements of it that don't quite jive with the with the Delta Green game as it stands today. I believe the date on the website given for the article is 2015. 2013. The date of the blog post that I'm looking at is October 12th, 2015. But it says copyright 2013, you're right. It's five years before the, I guess not five years, more like three years before the uh, new Delta Green, which substantially changed the setting meta for... A lot of players, not necessarily um, necessarily everyone. This style of play is still supported, but we thought it was worth discussing this specific uh, piece of history to see which parts of it we think are still fantastic, which parts we can do without, and which parts could use an update. I kind of appreciate the fact that it's not necessarily in-game advice. It's written almost like a bit of Delta Green fiction, like something you could find in the world. And while it is advice to players, it isn't. The advice isn't, you know, uh, take a plus 20 on all your rolls with a hollow site. It's, you know, in-character advice, I guess, which, is, which I kind of appreciate. Yeah, but how many times have you seen players follow this advice versus how many times you've seen them follow my advice? Well, I, I hope to change that with this episode. Hell yeah, brother. I don't know if we'll get through all of them, but we'll start at the top. And then, you know, my, my main question sure is how do, we, how do we update it? You know, this this assumes the outlaw style of play. So how do we update it for a program style of play if it needs it? Uh, and then, you know, is is the advice good... It may be good player advice, but is it good game advice? Uh, we've talked at length about things sometimes that are mechanics in the game that are less uh, less friendly towards players. So we'll see what happens. So the uh, first one here is uh, thou shall not get caught. You do not have a get out of jail free card. You do not have a license to kill. To the world outside Delta Green, you're a criminal, a terrorist, and a traitor. If you're arrested, you will keep quiet, say nothing, and take what's coming. Getting you out of custody is not ACL's problem unless ACL needs you for something. Aside from the obvious reference to ACL, I think this still holds true in the modern era. And this this is a comment on tone that I think some newcomers to the setting might miss. Like they'll look at it and say, oh, hey, you're just like the men in black. Well, not exactly. What was that one article where the headline was like fight Cthulhu with big government or something? Like you, you got it. You got half right. You're half right. Big government also abandons its agents when they become dangerous to it. That is true, actually. But their agents do have a license to kill. I, I, I would argue that a federal, generally speaking, a federal law enforcement officer who is going to run 
in the world of Delta Green, like who's going to play dirty a little bit, kind of has a license to kill. Like it's much easier to get away with it if you're an FBI guy than it is if you're a I, I, Kevin, I agree with you, but I don't want to go down this road too hard because this is something that we've been saying since the early episodes is that if you run Delta Green as a realistic game about the consequences federal agents face for their actions, then the game takes 10 minutes because it's I walk up, I shoot the guy in broad daylight, I say it was self-defense. And Tom, you specifically said I can't run the game like that because I want there to actually be an interesting mechanical trade-off between doing bad things and facing consequences or coming up with better ways to do things. Yeah, I mean, I think this way is just more interesting where you're kind of, even when you're a federal agent, you have a lack of power and you're kind of on the run as opposed to just basically being a federal agent makes you a king or a god that there's not really any need to think about consequences. It's interesting though, because this this style of play that uh, Glancy, no Glancy, um, yeah, Glancy is describing is that you are, you know, very in a dangerous position that you are constantly at risk of facing serious consequences of your action. But I think it was either Greg or maybe it was Scott, not Scott. Um, who's the other guy? Who's the first guy we interviewed? Uh, Chris Gunning. Chris Gunning. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. One of them said, it was either Chris Gunning or uh, Greg Stolze who said that the Delta green is about being someone who is very powerful in the human world and then discovering that that's meaningless or discovering that that doesn't help you. So there's two very different uh, emphasis on what parts of the game are important. The other thing I want to uh, mention, in, or at least at least you know, pick apart, given the the rules of Delta Green now, is I think nowadays it actually is a lot easier for Delta Green to spring you from jail. I'm I'm just looking at the actual requisitions, um, and even you know up into the unusual range, you could utilize a number of these to spring your own guy. You know, out of a, out of a jail, even if it included, even if it meant you know sending him to a black site and then you know, ambushing him on route, or you know unescorted uh, credentials for access to a restricted site, shut down an investigation, etc. Those are also things that like a program manager could do, not necessarily easily, but easily enough if you were a player and wanted to get your guy back. Well, mechanically, uh, yes, but also setting wise, Delta Green is now set in a world where. 50% of Delta Green has the ability to just say that guy's an that guy's an informant he's working for us give him here. Yeah. It is a setting change since this was written. I I do still think that Delta Green the program will still hang you out to dry if if it's in the, if you know if if Spring you would uncover the operation or compromise it I'm sure they're happy to let you rot in prison for a crime you may or may not have committed. That still holds true. Number 2. Always have your go bag packed and ready for a night at the opera. Your go bag should include sanitized gear, weapons, cash, clothing, and false identification that can be used and abandoned during a night at the opera. By assuming that players already have this figured out, you get rid of 90% of your shopping problems. Absolutely. I think that's that's very, very well put. So, Will, you have been a strong advocate of the... Um, the, the list of equipment that the tools of the trade is not starting equipment. I think that the typical cops go bag should be starting equipment for this reason. Yeah, you're probably right. Cause it's not too different from that little list there. Is it? Yeah. All you need to do is put it a put, a, put like a, a pistol in there and then uh, probably some rope. Cause everyone needs rope. Oh yeah. Get your fucking rope around. Do you want, do you want 50 feet? Or do you want a hundred feet or how much rope do you want? We're going to need more rope. Well, can yeah. your agent cast rope trick? Because that makes you can make a much better use of. Uh, no, see, I was I was can, I was candlejack posting because it's this old meme where. Uh, oh shit! I got him. The most interesting part of me of this little list is the mention of cash because I feel like that's something that informed some of the mechanics of the standalone RPG. Because in Delta Green, when you're handling actual money, 
there's never really a situation where you can run out of money. There are just situations where, well, you don't have enough money on you right now. So what are the consequences of getting the money you need? Are you going to have to like beg your loved ones for it? Are you going to piss somebody off at work? You can always get the stuff you need, but there's always another consequence. Yeah, and I like to abstract money in my Delta Green games a lot of times to just the number of expenses. So like, I got, you could have an agent go back and have enough money for one uh, unusual expense. And then if they go to the shopping trip, they immediately know like they can get these things and not these things. Pick. Makes it quick and, you know, makes it reasonable. If they need more, then you got to tap your bonds. Right. It's a cool little bit of jujitsu that it redirects the question of money and acquiring supplies into any shit affect your relationship with other people. Otherwise, yeah, I think this numbers one is still pretty solid advice, still holds up. Um, you know, it 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 has a the next couple of ones we'll talk about, I think are all about covers. So this includes having a cover identity and false ID. So they all tie together. Yeah, three three through five are all about cover identities. And I think we can cover them as a group because I think that they represent a substantial change from the way that they tell you to run the game now. Yeah, you want to read all three and then we'll talk about them? Yeah, I'll subject you to this, guys. Uh Number three, stick to code and cover names. The less you learn about each other during an operation, the safer you all are. You can't betray what you don't know. This is doubly true when dealing with friendlies. Number four, always keep to your cover identity. Your cover should always be someone with a reason for asking questions you need answered. Number five, prepare a new cover after every night at the opera. Covers last only as long as they are necessary. Even the best can't stand up to intense scrutiny. Make them, use them, and then ditch them. And if correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but isn't there now? Uh, I remember a piece of Delta Green printed matter somewhere saying that um, you shouldn't lie about who you are if you're a federal agent because that just creates more problems. Am I am I insane, or or is that something that the new game does very differently? I don't know if that's printed anywhere, but I think it makes sense. That's how I would handle it. Because if you're with the program, then you are typically a federal employee or a consultant on official business you are where you're supposed to be when you're on a mission. So it would be weirder if you are passing yourself off as somebody else. I have seen it played both ways uh, with respect to the program and covers and saying you are who you say you are or and being who you say you are or not. Uh, and I've seen it played both ways, in fact, in published scenarios. So I think there is certainly a place for... The mantra of compartmentalize and keep, keep get your story straight and stick to your cover. But sometimes your cover is that you are exactly the person you are in your everyday job. I mean, the cover in that case is you're part of an interagency task force that answers to one of a handful of alphabet soup letter agencies uh, and nobody picks up the phone during the day. I was going to say, does it count as a cover if you are in real life, your agent Smith and your on the Delta Green operation, your agent Smith assigned to, you know, Joint Terrorism Task Force 5, but your boss tells you, if anybody looks in a JTTF 5, they're going to find nothing. So, you know, here's a, you have a badge, use it, you have a name, you have an operation code, but you don't have any, like, it's pretty flimsy. Does that count as cover? I would say, yeah, that counts as cover. Yeah, so, I mean, in my opinion, if that counts as cover, then I think all of this, you know, you don't want to be part of JTTF 5 in 10 night of the operas. You want to have a separate one, you want to ditch it as soon as you can, and you know, just write a one-page report that says, you know, this this task force, you know, followed some random guy for a week and found that he wasn't a terrorist, and everybody went home. Good, good job, team. Maybe the broader advice here in the context of the program is don't draw attention to yourself. And you know, there's a bunch of professions that aren't that don't come with baked-in covers. You know, if your character is an anthropologist yeah. or a firefighter, you might need a cover as a 
FBI, um, you know, analyst or consultant or something. No, I do think just from a gameplay perspective, I think if a character has a really cool idea for a cover, I'll, I'll let them roll with it. But if they don't, I don't want to hold up gameplay while they try to figure out how how their cover is. I'm I'm totally happy to give them. To, you know, during the briefing to have the, have the, you know, briefing case officer slide across the, you know, slide a bunch of FBI, you know, consultant to clip on name tags across the table to burner phones and say, have at it. Unless the cover is integral or they're trying to come up with their own thing. I don't want to slow down gameplay with, because they need to come up with covers on their own. But that's, I admit, that's me. I think I'm mostly in agreement. And I think if, if covers get burned, then, you know, then it's up to them to fix the problem for sure. But Well, that's, that's one of the, I guess, I guess that's one of the advantages of having a cover as opposed to going as yourself is that if you royally fuck things up, then it's not you that gets burned. It's that fake identity. So I guess, I guess in the modern era, having a cover identity is more of an option than a mandatory uh, SOP. Yeah. You know, there's advantages doing either way. This strays into the back into the area that uh, Max and Tom talked about. Of if you play a real cop, it's not that fun. To a certain extent, like if you just get, if your cover is just a badge, no one's going to get your name off of that. Um, agent, go fuck yourself. You can't ask me that question. Agent, go oh, fuck no. yourself like that. Then it's like no one's going to track you down. But again, that strays a little towards the you know just shoot everyone and get away with it uh, side of Delta Green, which we've all yeah we've <laughs> spoken about that at length. So number six is an interesting one, I think. Um, Unless anyone, uh, parting shots for three through five. Okay. Um, Agent six is one that, sorry, uh, Agent six. Agent six. Number seven. Wow. Or sorry, number, I'm going to read six and seven together because they kind of go together. So six is, other than sticking to your cover, never lie to a fellow member of Delta Green about anything ever unless ACL says otherwise. Number seven is always lie to anyone who isn't a member of Delta Green about everything always and make sure your lies are specific and consistent. This one wasn't even true in 2013. There's yeah, scenarios written before book. 2013 that violate this rule with as Delta Green agents lying to each other all the time. Well, that makes sense if you consider it, I guess, an in-universe document where obviously A-Cell doesn't want you lying to A-Cell. Yeah, I think, so, yeah, exactly. But like even lying to other Delta Green agents is the norm. That also strays into the area of, I don't, unless everyone's on board, I don't like player versus player stuff. So if I had players who were lying to each other, unless it was all agreed upon and above board and like part of something, I would kind of be like, what the hell are you doing? Like you're just gaslighting the other humans at your table. That's not, don't do that. Oh, I don't even think of that as like a PVP kind of thing. I think of it as legitimately like you lie to a cell or whoever your NPC case officer is at the end of the mission. And maybe that introduces a thread of tension. Like will Delta green ever find out that you lied? Uh, but then you're not really sure if you're going to follow up on it throughout the campaign or not. Yeah, I can see that, definitely. And I know there are cases when, you know, say you're on an operation, you find a powerful artifact, ASL would want you to, even the program would want you to turn it in, and you may say, yeah, maybe this is better off if we keep it and use it for good. You know, that's, that can be fun gameplay. Um, I think number eight, uh, somebody, someone, someone wants to give us that one. That one, I think, is stayed pretty consistent. Uh, depends. So the number eight says friendlies can know the truth about an individual operation. They can never know the truth about Delta Green. Uh, so the the meta of what Delta Green is is constantly shifting. The meta of whether Delta Green uses friendlies got changed in the new one, where now I think the Handler's Guide guidelines is that only the Cowboys calls them friendlies and the program doesn't have them. But in reality, if you actually look at the scenarios, they still got friendlies. Yeah, and I've, I've kind of always had two flavors of friendlies. You have the NPCs who are like the helpful or less helpful, you know, you know quest givers and, and people who are along the way. But then sometimes I like to throw, 
maybe players who are new to the system in as friendlies who at the end of the with the understanding that at the end of the operation they'll get read in you know in character if they like the system and that's so that's a little obviously they're going to find out about delta green because that's the whole point and that's their players i think in my experience that's more common where players will start off as friendlies and after their first mission they'll become full agents rather than including friendlies as npcs you have to manage yeah i mean we'll think about um with the cop and lover in the ice there's a, there's a few yeah. there's a few there's a few characters in published scenarios that are npcs where there's a caveat where it says like the players could play this guy if they die those are the ones that i think of as like more of a friendly like someone who'd be maybe not right into the whole system but i could see taking the guy aside and in, in lover in the ice being like all right look this is obviously some sort of a you know weird thing we got to deal with it you know, not explain the whole meta, but explain it. Maybe like we got to deal with this thing. We got to keep it quiet for the sake of everyone else. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go kill it, etc. Okay, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. Whereas, so whereas, like if you just went to the local police station and we're like, hey, we got to raid this drug compound, you wouldn't tell them crap. You'd just be like, there are drug drug guys in there. We gotta we gotta fight them. So that's that's to me that's where I draw the line between like NPC friendly agent is you know that kind of discussion. Yeah, I guess that I guess that dynamic does still exist uh, in in the modern uh milieu just not precisely by the same name so I, so number nine i really like um we have maybe talked about it on the show depending on when this is um uh, always <laughs> scout your destination no matter how secure you think it is never bring the whole team to do surveillance be inconspicuous to see the enemy first so i'd say i agree with about 80 percent of that i'm gonna take a wild guess and say that the uh the one that involves splitting the party is not on your list of agree with yeah i just I, that's that's, that's that's great tradecraft in character. It's awesome, but it's boring. I don't like doing it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, the rest of it, though, is, is pretty good. Yeah, it's a great way to get. Um, it's a great way to get more clues you may, about an area. Like, say it's the you know the drug compound. If you scout it out for a couple hours, maybe you'll find out how many people are there, or you know what kind of hardware they got, and that can give you some good you know intel when you have to have to breach in. Yeah, and so, doing surveillance great. is also like way easier and less risky than black bagging people even though players think it's the other way around yeah i definitely agree so spot on definitely number nine still holds true and i think kind of by the same token number 10 which is always perform counter surveillance uh before you camp down before you move perfect paranoia is perfect awareness that's good tradecraft but it leads to perhaps not very interesting gameplay i mean how many how many how many anecdotes are there about you know the the guy doing the the party doing the classic dungeon crawl who you know uh, meticulously checks every five foot square of the dungeon with their ten foot pole right? You don't want that. I think but some, maybe, some maybe people do can, want that. But well, some people do I want don't. that. Yeah. Um, maybe what this could indicate um, as as advice for people playing a game, maybe what this could indicate is that we should be assuming that agents are doing this even if. The players themselves are not saying, "Yeah, I'm going to stop at the crosswalk and just look to see if anyone's behind me." Yeah, this, this is a great opportunity as a player to have a little flavor. Like if, like, say, I'm, say I know that I'm going to roll an awareness check every, uh, you know, every half mile that the agents drive to see if, if they spot the tail. And that's that's what I've decided as a handler. And the agents just drive the the ten miles. I'm going to roll. Great. If on the way they're like, "Hey, you know, we're going to 
I'm going to make a couple left turns. We're going to go to a gas station and get gas. And while we're getting gas, get some look around. That's cool flavor. It's cool in character. And it might tell me that they're thinking about things. I'm going to give them a little boost on the roll. I don't need them to tell me every crosswalk that they're every time they're stopping, but you know, a sense that they're doing something gives me, you know, gives me some stuff, gives them some stuff and makes it a little uh, more sensible. I think it gives it the playoff of, yeah. And it's a cool moment. Like, you know, putting the, putting the hair across the, putting the hair across the door to see if your place is broken into. All right, cool. If you do that, I might, you know, give the guys who are going to break into your place, you know, a, a pen on malice, you know, or not. Cause now they have your hair and the wizards have your hair. They can cast spells on you. Damn it. Hoisted. My one weakness. Hoisted by your own hair plug. Yes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, definitely like surveillance related uh, axioms and they definitely stay, stay relevant. Okay. So uh, the next one, number 11, never do anything alone. Always have someone watch your back. When you're sleeping, pissing, eating, searching a location, interviewing a witness, or when your nose is buried in research, have someone watching your six. Don't split the party. I think that it, it, well, you can split the party. You just can't have someone be alone. I think that it's like, yeah. which I'm, I'm, I think this is good because I think it's better to have players do stuff in groups than for everyone to do their own thing. I think it's more fun. The buddy yeah. system. And I think I would, my only caveat here would be, I wouldn't take this as I need to leave someone in the car or I need to leave two people in the car to watch right back. That's bad advice. We, we've, yeah. hit, we've hit that point a lot. But, you know, again, as a character, maybe if you're, all right, I'm not really sure. I'm not great at forensics. My buddies are doing the forensic stuff. Hey, Handle, I'm, uh, I'm peeking out the windows, just checking the streets. All right, cool. You know, thumbs up. Great. Now I know that they're alert. And, you know, maybe, again, maybe I'll give my bonus or maybe that character feels like they've contributed to the scene without making a good role because they maybe don't have the skills for it or something. Yeah, I think even if you don't have any skills that are necessarily helpful to the scene, going along with somebody else, just like interact with them and have some back and forth is still more interesting and more fun for everybody. Yeah, definitely. And that's a that's a great way to make a little character moment, which can be fun. So 12 uh, might be one that we may also want to assume the agents do in character, but uh, always establish a rally point in case a team has to scatter and regroup. Rally point should be tactically advantageous in the event not everyone manages to shake pursuers and the opportunity arises to ambush them. The rally point should be pre-stocked with anything you need to escape the opposition, money, travel documents, and a spare vehicle if you can manage it. Kind of sounds like a green box, but then again, you're kind of burning a green box if you fall back to one. Well, I think the perhaps the takeaway from this is um, it, retreat should be an option. You should never put yourself in a position where you feel like you have to fight and get your ass killed to finish the mission. Definitely. I mean, the the tendency of, of player characters to never retreat, never surrender is is a meme unto itself. No, I always, so one of my golden rules, I've said it a thousand times, is, you know, bad dice won't kill you, bad decisions will. And I'm trying to think in the heat, all right, I've just ambushed my agents, they're in a gunfight, and they say, okay, we're going to, we're all going to scatter in different directions, but we're all professionals of this. So obviously before we went in here, we our fallback plan was always the safe house. Now, if they never said that explicitly, if they came up with it on the spot, then I'd probably say, yeah, you guys are, are professionals and, you know, you probably would have made a quick plan. I don't think I'd punish that unless they were making some just really disastrous decisions. Um, but I think I'd be tempted to give it to them, you know, after the Yeah, fight. unless they were making some poor decisions or unless there were some really, like, real stretches about what's in that safe house, you know? Yeah, for me, yeah. this sounds like the sort of thing I would start asking for in times five roles to see if you thought of that beforehand. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, this is where I like it. Nothing, but I might draw the line. They try to be like, oh, I mean, you know, of course, we obviously have uh, a ceramic tile with the elder sign in the safe house. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, if yeah, that's that's a little crazy. Yeah, if it's a mission where you have to time things because there's a timeline of stuff happening, then I would not allow it because the players did not consume the in-game resource to establish it. 
beforehand. That's true. See that because there are some scenarios that uh, that operate based on uh, like a rigid mechanical timeline, like. Uh, Dead letter is Observer one effect. where stuff happens on a schedule. Observer effect happens on a schedule, but it ha- happens on such a tight schedule that there's no way you're going to set up a safe house. Viscid too, yeah. although Viscid is on the scale of days. Viscid's on the scale of days, and um, you get right the, Viscid. Well, you know, I don't, I don't even. Yeah, that's my point. You could get away with that sort of thing in Viscid because you do have enough downtime. You could have one or two people handling that aspect. I'm not even saying you know they they set up a safe house secretly. Um, I might say. You know, you didn't set up a safe house, but you could set up a rally point. So, so they might say, "Hey, you know, we're going to scatter here. We're going to fall back to the, you know, the the abandoned IHOP off the side of the road." Well, that's cool. You know, you didn't have to do any work to establish that. You know, it exists. You drove by on the way in. Great. It takes you thirty seconds to say those words. You know. So, but also as a player, maybe you should, you know, while you're doing your surveillance, just because it's a good, cool because it's a cool character moment. Say, "All right, guys, remember things go south. You know, rally point is, uh, you know, old oak tree." Because one, that sounds really badass, and two, you're smart planning. Rally points to the Waffle House. Oh, rally at the Hizzy. <laughs> I do also think that if you are um, abstracting the uh, location of the safe house, you know, conjuring it into existence by retroactively saying, yes, you are a professional, you would have had that, then I also think that opens up, opens you up to the possibility that you retroactively failed to set it up without being spotted by the opposition. Once you get into this realm of, of it's no longer about what you, the player, said you did, it's about whether your character was good at their job, then you can start to think, well, you know, you've got 16 criminology, but the other guy's got 50, so there's a chance that he, not, not a good one, that he would have figured out where you were where your rally point was and when you go in there something bad's gonna happen so yeah let me just make one thing clear i don't i would not let players retroactively have created a safe house from nothing in the middle of a firefight if they were operating out of a safe house and they've chosen that or if they either already have a safe house or in the firefight they decide their rally point is like a building they've been to before that i think makes sense i wouldn't be i wouldn't let them create an entire you know you know booby trapped elder sign safe house in in the firefight so that uh, that was 12. So we want to go 13. So if you're attacked, break contact. Do not stand and fight when the opposition has the initiative. Retreat your group at the rally point. Go back later and kill them in their sleep. I would like to see this happen more often. You want to hear something that's really interesting about Delta Green in terms of mechanics for running away? So in most games, in most games, if you have to if you have to retreat using the combat mechanics, you stand no chance because you move 30 feet, the other guy gets an AOO, and then he moves 30 feet after you and hits you again on his turn using a charge move. In Delta yep. Green, you're actually better off when you're in combat mode because you get like 30 meters of movement, something absolutely ridiculous. That's more than enough to get to cover, break line of sight, get the hell out of there. But odds are once you're out of contact, the Hamlet's going to say, make an athletics roll to get away. And that's when you're in trouble. So I'm, in my opinion, in Delta Green, you're actually better when you're in the initiative structure than when you're just having to narratively run using skill checks. So the way you game that is you just fire your gun into the air and keep yourself in combat yeah. and reset in the combat, Stay in combat mode. Yeah. Yeah, you can't fast travel while enemies are nearby. I feel like that's just one of those little rules things that is like a niche case that wasn't play tested. And if a player pointed that out to me, I think I'd give it to him because it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know what's really weird about it is that in the rules for the skill athletics, it says athletics is used for running around. But when you run in a combat situation, to avoid tripping is a dex test. <laughs> which is um one of the objections to this game that i think is entirely fair is that it's not always super clear and reasonable why certain skills are used over attribute times five and vice versa like is it parade is is it parade is it persuade or charisma 
Is it intelligence or forensics? I just I feel like agents don't look at retreat. Our players don't look at retreat as an option because they they think, well, if I retreat, I might get shot, but if I shoot now, I might kill the guy, so I'm going to shoot again. So I it's think absolutely correct, mics, Kevin. Yeah, which is true. But I think if a player was explaining his retreat and was, you know, I'm going to get into cover, break line of sight, not get shot at. Like I I I, feel, I, I think I, I'm making a mental note to try to reward because I I think the idea of breaking contact is sensible. I would like to reward that activity. So I think I would, you know, give the give the agents a bone there if they're going to be proactive about it. Yeah, I would agree with that. That um, if you don't, if 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 you make running away as punishing as standing and fighting, then everyone's going to stand and fight. Because if you stand and fight, you might kill the guy. But if you run away, you're just fucked. So you have to make running away a viable option if you want people to do it. This goes for every game, not just Delta Green, because this is something that. Um, you know, Will, you talked about how whether players will surrender in RPGs is often a uh, the point of contention. Whether they will run away is the same deal. Yeah, it is. And I think you know, anywhere where the players can utilize some real world tactics, you know, you should never fight the enemy on their terms. You should fight them on, on your terms. And if you can dictate those terms, that's better. Uh, so, you know, backing off is an option. So I like it. What about number 14? Oh, uh, any operation can be aborted. If it feels wrong, it is wrong. I feel like that has never been true. But we, it's mainly because we're playing a role-playing game, and if the players showed up and then said, we're going to abort the mission, it's like, well, I prepared nothing else for today. So either go on the mission or we go play Catan, you know? Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I've said. The last time I scrubbed an operation in Delta Green and ran away as a player character was an adventure that Jake was running, where we realized about uh, maybe halfway through the scenario that one of the player characters had been mind controlled and, and everything that they had seen and heard was being fed to an unknown third party. And so we decided that there was no way for us to complete the mission because we already given away too much information and we were, we were known to the, to the opposition. So we went home. Was that, was that, uh, was that a correct assumption or was there a way? Yeah, it was. Cool. Yeah. My intuition is that uh, aborting a mission that's gone bad is different from refusing to engage in the scenario. Like I think those are different things. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Because, I mean, if if something feels wrong, like I almost want to say, if it feels wrong, that's why you're here. You're here to fix the wrong thing. Go fix it. If you're, fire, you know, if you're, if you're back to number 13, you're trying to break contact and it's gotten really bad, maybe it's time to abort and call for reinforcements and, you know, regroup for another day. Certainly the idea of withdrawing uh, and to seek more favorable circumstances, I think, is is one that's worth emphasizing. Uh, I think in the, mo- you know, and this is a, a different, this is a place where, Old Delta Green is a little different. Nowadays, you have more resources you could call on. In theory, the program has better assets. You know, it's yeah. not, you don't often get to call on like a Coral Nomad or uh, things, you know, an oper- you know, some sort of other operation or another, another I don't want to say cell because that's the old structure, but like another team. But you could. I mean, the, the infrastructure is there. Um, even in um, Iconoclast, you can, you can essentially call up the program and say, we need this, you know, magic spell there's a chance you can get it and that would like almost certainly not fly in the old school world not necessarily true in the original uh edition of music from a darkened room you can get an elder sign mailed to you really yep it's much again yeah it's not in the new version wow did not know that i it's it was in the old version that was posted on the delta green site because remember how i keep saying that like all the old scenarios that weren't in the original delta green splats are just on the website there you go I mean, I'm I'm like 90% sure of this. I'm going to have to go look it up now because when I – this is one of those things where when I say it and people don't believe me, I wonder if I'm remembering it wrong, but I'll look it up. Every, every step of the way, my friend. Uh, number 15 is 
I, I'm going to try to stop saying it's an industry one because I've said that I think for the last 15, but uh, never take <laughs> a chance if you don't have to. You're harder to replace than you think. Your death, injury, or disappearance will be difficult to explain. I feel like that's definitely true in universe, but in reality, I'm either going to, if if, I, if it's early in the, in the, in the game night, I'm going to hand the player another NPC to play, or they're going to roll up another agent because I want them to play in the game. So in reality, they're super replaceable. Yeah. At the same time, though, you don't want to encourage a player to uh, throw their character at certain death. You Wait, know, you, you know, know what I'm? You know what I'm fucking remembering? I'm remembering Will you saying that this happened in one of your games, not the actual scenario yeah, text. I I did do that in a scenario once, and that was because it was a bunch of new players, and they were really having a hard time, and I wanted to throw them a bone and go home. Also, you would have been there for like five years if they had. Yeah, exactly. Like they had it all figured out. They just they just couldn't figure out how to finish it they had solved they had found every clue they'd figured out the history of the house they were just like okay what do we do and i'd already had my fun because like two of the five agents were already dead in hilarious ways <laughs> like one of them got his ass trapped in the mirror uh, another one went into the house alone to try and end it himself without you know risking his colleagues and then uh, the house just ate him but yeah it was 2012 that the original scenario was uploaded to the site according to this url you've hacked delta green I've Google searched it, and this is literally the first result. <laughs> yeah. Bet you I can find a future. I think Night Floors is on there, too. Probably. Yep, first result, 2008. Nice. I'm really good at this. What, using Google? Yeah. Well, I'm okay, but you know what else I'm okay at is looking at this list to see what the next one is. Right. 15. We just did 15. Okay, 16. I am really good, see? Yeah. <laughs> Don't wait until you see the whites of their eyes. If firearms have no effect, it's best to find that out while you still have time and space to break contact. I remember Glancy saying this to us at Gen Con, something to the effect of, if, if it's immune to bullets, it's good to find that out from half a kilometer away. What if it's immune to bullets, but not your uh, RPG? Uh... Well, then you can only find out by incrementing the lethality rating by 5% each time until exactly, you finally yeah. find the one that arbitrarily <laughs> destroys it. No, no, no points for the correct answer, Max. What, 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 how do we feel about this one? I think that's fair. I mean, obviously you want to wait. So it definitely isn't a system where there's any real benefit. There's no point blank modifier. Well, so I'm totally wrong. So as long yeah, as there's... Is there a point blank modifier? Well, there is, yeah. Plus 20%. I'm awful at games. Um, well, the, the, the term point blank is left to the handler to adjudicate. It's not. It's <laughs> the same distance. We're all bad at this. It's the same Fuck. distance as the, as the five-foot stab. It's three meters. Damn. We are professional. Which no, no, I no, I like this mechanic because because it means that point blank is the same distance that it that it allows someone to just step up and knife you. Because the point of using a gun is not oh, wait, to use it from within arm's reach. Twenty one feet. Uh, this is the this uh. is a video. This is my video about the two hundred foot rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, generally speaking, it's outside of point blank, your weapon is just as effective at five meters as it is at its you know, the, the other end of its range. So use it at the best range you have. I do feel like so, some of these, so like in the real world, um, a lot of the, like the little sayings in like military and law enforcement are like written in blood. But the reason that they have a cheeky way to say things is because someone died and it didn't work out great. So like, this feels like some agents did this and like, you know, over the old school Delta Green being played. And then this has where this thing came from. Like this is one that feels like it was written in blood. Oh, what, somebody tried to... Hit it from too far away. No, I mean, or I, I can totally see a situation where a bunch of agents like wanted to ambush something and waited until it was right there, and then ambush it and it tore into pieces. And if they would shot at it from a hundred meters, they could have escaped. You know. Oh yeah, maybe damage it. Mayhap. So seventeen. 
Uh, give no fair warnings. Surprise is the only advantage you have. Taking live prisoners usually carries more operational hazards and benefits. Seems legit. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, this kind of falls similarly falls under like don't let the wizard speak or you know if you're gonna if you're gonna hit someone hit them with your biggest weapon as hard as you can first you know like i, I can't think of a situation in delta green where you're gonna fire warning shots yeah it's usually not a great idea but get out of here shock if you come any closer we're gonna shoot at you there isn't really much of a game mechanic here um I mean, t- trying to trying to take life prisoners is usually more of a penalty just in in the fight than it is just you know murdering everyone that's interesting yeah, that RPG is that game thing where the non-lethal is actually more difficult than just just shooting everybody. Will, do you remember when I kept saying, "Hey, you'd really like the new King and Yellow game"? One thing I that do. I remember reading about that just recently is that in that game, when you choose to fight a creature or a person or whatever, you just make one roll instead of everyone, you know, laboriously adjudicating which action happens when and. The difficulty of your task is decided based on what the severity of consequences you want to inflict is. And in that game, killing someone is more difficult. It's more difficult and it's also more likely to hurt you in response. I haven't played it yet. This is relying on secondhand accounts because uh, apparently it was just released from the warehouse where they had it imprisoned. It kind of reminds me of, or similarly reminds me of the Star Wars mechanic. Basically, any any weapon that can do non-lethal damage, once you deal damage, like, so you roll damage. Okay, I did 12 damage. You can decide right there that it's either lethal or non-lethal because it's just much better gameplay if you want to hit the guy alive than you having to call it out ahead of time. And it's a little funky sometimes, but it's like, it's fine. It works. I like it. It's narrative and fun. There is some precedent for it being harder to, like, club someone unconscious than just gun them down, especially if they're actually good at fist fighting. But it is something that people are... So so I guess I guess in essence we're kind of going in the opposite direction from this one where we're talking about how it would be gratifying to see people try harder to take the enemy alive. Yeah, I mean I think in I think in my perfect world it would be either either the same difficulty or easier to capture someone alive. Probably the same difficulty uh than rather than harder or easier. One thing that I am looking at though is that with rules 18 and 19, this document is written from a perspective of having people that you catch alive is not that useful. Like like in universe, it's it's not considered worthwhile. Yeah, so when you give us 18, 19, and we'll uh, we'll see. 18 is if you plan on interrogating prisoners, never leave them together to come up with a story together unless you have uh, bugged their cell. Number 19 is that torture does not work on our brand of opposition, meaning, you know, wizards and monsters and so on. Be prepared to find another way in, such as laptops, notepads, cell phones, documents, and journals. Passwords and encryption are easier to break than people. I mean, torture doesn't work, full stop. But, uh, yeah. I, We're not going down I, this road like again. These, yeah. I mean, we've, we've mentioned a little bit about, you know, some nice players like to just black bag people and it becomes a problem, but... I do actually kind of like the idea of leaving prisoners together and letting them talk. It seems like a great way to interrogate them without having to involve your players in the interrogation, especially if they're if the if the persons being interrogated are the kinds of people who would talk to each other. That's if player, your players are smart enough to figure that out on their own, then yeah, absolutely, that'd be a great uh, be a great moment. They could they could feel really smart, really clever. And I think the advice about finding another way in under torture is also kind of I would almost I would almost split torture off separately, but also say. If you you know if you're gonna target someone, um, so I think Will, you're gonna have to air this after you air uh, after we air 
interrogation one because I'm referencing it too much. I can't stop. But you know, never ask someone a question you don't know the answer to. If you've gotten into yeah. their laptop or their cell phone or their documents, you know a bunch of stuff. You can ask them, and then they give you truthful answers. You know they're not lying, and that's really really helpful. And that that does flow naturally into twenty, uh, which I'm just going to read quickly, and then we can go back to. Not 1819. I know Max had something else to say, I think, but assume nothing. Don't believe what you're told. Double check it yourself. Again, if you've broken into their laptop and you have their info and you ask them a question, you know the answer to, and they answer it, well, you double checked it. You verified it. You're good. If they lie, you've double checked it. You know they're lying. You're good. Max, do you have any thoughts on these two or these three? We did 20. I kind of lump. I think it's, uh, I, I would agree that players generally think that interrogation is a magic button they can push to get information. And I would rather they didn't do that. I would. I, I, it's 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 tough because I do think that it's interesting to try and like capture people and get information from them. But I think that the way most of every time I've seen it, it's been I'm gonna hit this NPC until information falls out. And even when told out of character this isn't working, you guys should try a different strategy. They continue to do exactly the same thing. I mean, you're not alone having encountered players that seem to confuse interrogation for for torture, and that those those are not synonyms. Those are not synonyms. So 21 is everyone is always potentially under the control by the opposition, including your teammates. The only thing, my big thing here is I don't, again, I mentioned about PVP and I don't introduce unless it's consensual among all parties. So introducing this is like, beware of your teammates. I think it's just a road to madness unless it's that kind of game, but it's probably good in character advice. Like it makes sense in universe, but not in games. There's certainly like there there are fun scenarios where like there's an element of oh, who's who's got which of us is compromised that can be fun but you don't want to approach every scenario like that because if you can't you know trust the guys you're working with you can't really do much I mean being suspicious a healthy amount of suspicion is always good but there is such a thing as too much I played in a one of my first Zelda Green games I played with uh, the man in black himself and the rest of us I may have told the story before but uh, I don't care you got to hear it again. Um, all of us were like kind of new to the system and figuring it out and like playing our federal agents and our Coast Guard guys. And he was like a super hard and Delta Green guy who was like yeah. tradecraft up to 11, fingerprint all the rocks, hide like check every corner, every door for shotguns, check every, you know, exhaust pipe. And we were all kind of like, this guy's, this guy's nuts. <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> so he was a little suspicious. This is a little bit. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. This seems perfectly, uh, really reasonable. No, that's, that's that's great, and that's a good uh, that's a good game moment. <laughs> I just found it that's just the way he is as a person, but you know, yeah, he has two modes: just terminal shit posting and terminally uh, suspicious. Terminal shit posting. Um, uh, twenty-two. Tw- yeah, twenty-two. Don't harass your opposition. Save your energy. Limit your exposure and strike when you're ready. Be utterly thorough and utterly ruthless. I think I think we already said that when I said uh, hit them with your biggest weapon first, but you know, as fast as you can. Yeah, let me chew on that one for a minute. I mean, I mean, it's kind of like if, if you're going to take a shot at the king, you best not miss. It's a good Shakespeare reference. <laughs> it's not a Shakespeare. Well, is it a Shakespeare reference? Because it's a wire. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's apparently a joke of people who think it's it's a Shakespeare reference. That's funny. Yeah, it's like it's like when uh, the character in the Scottish play says that the fire inside him burned brighter than the fire that was on him. Was the fire rising? Um, I believe you're confusing it with the part in the Tempest where the Tempest fuck. Second try. I believe you're confusing it with the part of the Tempest where Prospero says to Caliban that they expect one of them in the wreckage. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, classic scene. Bravo, bravo, Nolan. Nolan Shakespeare. So I, I guess. So I guess here's the question. I like this as a tradecraft rule, but does it does it raise any problems for gameplay? Does it mean that all your agents are gonna 
go for a shopping trip, buy an RPG, and blast the cultist compound to smithereens and cause problems? I don't think this runs the risk of encouraging bad behavior if the focus is not on the second part, but on the first part, I suppose. Uh, Not so much the, you know, be utterly ruthless, be completely thorough, but limit your exposure, strike when you're ready. Although... Now that I say that, maybe that tends towards... We've spoken before about overplanning, and maybe I wouldn't want to encourage someone to, to overplan, to to dither and pontificate and hold off on committing because they're not 100% ready. They're only like 97 or 98% ready. So this is, this is uh, something that when Clancy was talking to us, he specifically described that this is the style of games, game he runs where the opposition is so incredibly dangerous and has mysterious powers that the only way to survive a confrontation with them is to be completely completely obfuscate the fact that you're even interacting with them until the moment where you strike. He specifically used the example of the characters in uh, Mask of Nilapathep telling people that they're friends of Jackson Elias here to investigate mysteries as an example of bad behavior. So yeah, I just think this one could be problematic if it's taken the wrong way, but I think it's in good, it's in, you know, it's in, it's written in good spirit. And I think in that spirit, it's coming from the right good, place. Yeah. So we've done about half. Do you want to stop here? Because I don't have, I definitely don't want to do the other 20, but yeah, we can. It's a half here and half the other time. A lot of time, yeah. I'd be okay with that. I think it'd be great, actually. Yeah, I think there was some solid uh, thing. And I was worried we were going to beat things up too much, but we didn't. So that's uh, that's good. We managed to restrain ourselves. <laughs>